Jeff and uh, his family are out of town this weekend. They're, they're in Atlanta, so I get to do double duty and um, bring us God's Word this morning as well. We're going to be in Romans chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 26. If you want to turn with me, your Bible's there. Uh, these, this passage that we're looking at this morning is in many ways the heart of Romans. It's the heart of the gospel. It's, uh, I mean, really the message that Paul lays out here is why we exist as a church. Um, it's, you know, we exist because we've been saved by this message, and Christ Redeemer exists because we want to see others saved by this message as well. Um, one commentator I read uh, said, quote, that this is possibly the most important single paragraph that has ever been written. So if you would, please stand with me as we, um, in respect for God's word, as we read this ever so important paragraph. Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, You can have a seat, and as you do, let me go to the Lord in prayer once more. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word, for this message, for the truth that you are, the ju- you are just and the justifier. And we ask that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us this morning, that you would teach us what, what it means for you um, to be just and the justifier, for, it to, for what it means that, um, that we are saved as a gift by your grace. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage this morning starts... Um, in verse 21, with the word but. But now the righteousness of God. I'm sure that y'all noticed right off the bat that this, there's a distinct change of um, just tone and uh, from what we've been looking at. Because the last several weeks have been all about sin and our, our fallenness and the fact that we have a sin problem, every one of us. We really could summarize everything that we've talked about in the last several weeks with verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now Paul is shifting to talk about the righteousness of God. So one verses, or chapter 1 verse 18 through 320 is all about the sin of man. And our text this morning, if you were to give it you know, a heading, um, is the righteousness of God. And I reiterate all of that, just kind of about what, where we've been, to just because unless you understand the basic fact of your sin, then nothing else that we say this morning is going to make any sense. Unless you grasp that you are a sinner who deserves God's wrath, then everything else I say is just going to be noise in your ears. Because this passage deals 
with the solution to our sin. It's the good news that we've been waiting for. We've kind of, I mean, you know, if you've read Romans, if you're familiar with the gospel, you know, you're hearing this, all this about sin, and you're just waiting for Paul to get to the good stuff, right? The, all right, yes, we know, Paul, we're sinners, we're sinners, and now we get to the grace, to the, um, what God has done about it. And it all centers around this concept of justification. So justification is a legal term, and it means simply to be declared righteous. To really understand justification, it's often compared to two other legal terms, one being condemnation. So condemnation would be to declare guilty, to find someone uh, guilty. Justification being the opposite of that. So condemnation is you're found guilty. Justification is to be declared righteous or innocent. And if we compare justification to a similar concept, so if, you know, condemnation is kind of the opposite, a similar concept would be pardon. Uh, pardon would be to, you find someone is found guilty, but then pardon would say, no, but you don't have to pay the penalty um, that you deserve, right? So pardon, even as it finds someone guilty, deals with the punishment um, for that, for that, um, for their, their guilt. So if you wanted to serve in the nursery at our church, which if you aren't serving in the nursery, I would encourage you, talk to McLeod, it's good stuff. Uh, but if you wanted to serve in the nursery, uh, one of the requirements is for us to run a background check. And so f- let's say, for instance, that 10 years ago, you committed a crime, stole something, I don't know, and you, you, know, you served your three years, you got out, right, you're the, pen- the penalty for what you did has been dealt with. You'll never have to go back to prison for that crime. But it's still going to show up on your record if someone was to run a background check, right? Even though the penalty has been dealt with, that um, declaration of guilty is still there. And so where justification goes deeper than pardon is that justification deals with that declaration of guilty. It removes the label of guilty and instead it gives us the label of righteous, So that when God pulls up our record, he doesn't see our guilt. He sees Christ's righteousness given to us. And this is what Paul is getting at in verse 21, where he talks about the righteousness of God being manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God that has been manifested or revealed is the righteousness that allows us to be declared righteous. So let me say that again. The righteousness of God that has been manifested is the righteousness that allows us to be declared righteous. So the rest of the, um, this passage, Paul's going to dig into this concept of justification, of what, the, what it means for the righteousness of God to be manifested and revealed. And it centers around three ideas. Kind of the rest of what Paul is going to say centers around three ideas. The first is that justification is a gift of God. Second, justification is the work of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, justification displays God's righteousness. So justification is a gift of God. It's the work of Jesus Christ, and it displays God's righteousness. The first place in our text that we see the reality that justification is a gift of God is right at the beginning in verses 20 and 21. 
Uh, We didn't actually read verse 20, so let me read that for us now. Uh, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So when you take that verse together with verse 21, you get this comparison between two different ways of being justified. So on the one hand, you have verse 20, which um, shows that at least in theory, it's possible to be justified by, your, by living a perfect life. That one of the ways you could theoretically be declared righteous is to live a perfect life, get to the end of your life, and be able to present to God a perfect record to which he would say, righteous. But what verse 20 makes clear, and verse 23 as well, is that no one will ever be justified, no mere human being will ever be justified in that way. Because we, we can't live a perfect life. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so then verse 21 shows us the other path to justification, namely a righteousness of God or from God. This idea is picked up again in verse 24. We'll start with verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Which, so it would be harder to find more beautiful words than that, right? Just that we have been, um, even though we're all sinners, we have been justified by God's grace. And that the only way that we will ever be declared righteous is by God's grace as a gift. The, the label, the declaration of righteous, is not something that we can earn. Which, if you're like me, it probably feels a little bit backwards to say that we can't, we can't earn righteousness, right? And I know a lot of that is just my own legalism, um, but there's also a certain sense in which, I mean, logically we would expect that righteousness is something that would be tied to our own work. But part of what Paul is saying here is that we've tried that already, right? That in the garden, Adam and Eve, if they had obeyed God, then they could have been declared righteous based on their own work. But because, right, because they rebelled, because we mess mess up righteousness every day, that's not an option. And so God chooses instead to give us righteousness as a gift rather than as something that must be earned. Uh, one of, uh, there's a scene in the movie Saving Private Ryan that I'll, I always find really powerful. It's, at the, it's near the end uh, where, um, kind of at the very end, the climax of all of the, of everything that's happened. So just a quick recap, I guess. So this movie is about a unit in World War II who go to save uh, Private James Ryan, to bring him home because all of his brothers have died in combat and he's the only one who's left to take care of his mom. And through the course of the movie, the entire unit that's on this mission to find James Ryan, they're all killed in combat. And except for one, I think. But anyway, so, but then this, this climactic scene is when, uh, so Tom Hanks' character is, you know, he's dying and he pulls James Ryan close to himself and he says in his ear, earn this. And his, the idea being, look, all of my men have given their lives for you to go home. Now make their sacrifice worth it. And what I think is so powerful about that is 
I think in our own lives, we can be tempted to try to earn salvation in two different ways. One would be to say, I have to do all the right things, I have to, so that, you know, I have to check all the right boxes, so, so that then God will, um, will justify me. God will, I, I will have earned my salvation, my righteousness. But I think the other way, and this is what we see in that scene, is the, the temptation to say, I know that God, that Right, that I'm justified by grace, but now we, but then we have that tendency to think that now we have to earn it. We have to make Christ's sacrifice worth it in some way. Um, and part of what it, what it means for us to be justified by grace as a gift is that justification, not only is it something we cannot earn, but we don't have to. We, we didn't earn it, and we can't earn it now. And so, the beauty of this is that it means that when we sin, we are free from having to try to make up for it or explain it away or somehow justify by ourselves in hindsight. So I, don't, I do this a lot. This is something that I struggle with a lot. One of the things that Becca says to me a lot, and a lot, especially in the last few months, is just, hey, you don't have to justify yourself. Because uh, it normally comes when I've just said something stupid or done something sinful, and immediately it just jumping into like explain it away mode. Well, the beauty of justification as a gift is that when we sin, rather than trying to somehow make up for it or explain it away, we just confess it, you know, apologize, make, you know, make reconciliation wherever it's needed, and then we move on. That we, instead of trying to somehow justify ourselves in hindsight, we can just think, okay, what is the next thing that God would have me do? How can I love God, love my neighbor in this next moment, rather than trying to somehow, you know, make up for the sins that we've already committed? And so what this text to us would say this morning is, hey, take a breath. You don't have to justify yourself, because justification is the gift of God. Justification is also the work of Jesus Christ. We see this in verse 24. It says that we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the same act that redeemed us, Christ's death, is also what justifies us. Then in verse 25, Paul goes into more detail. He says, um, referring to Jesus, whom, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Right, so propitiation, we got a big word there. What does that mean? Uh, it refers to something that appeases someone's wrath. So in this case, God's wrath. When you, when you hear the word propitiation, what you should think of is the line in the hymn that we sang earlier, In Christ Alone, where it says that on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. That's propitiation to a T. Um, on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Propitiation is important because it answers for us the question, how does Jesus' death justify us? I'll leave you with that question for a moment. So justification has sometimes been accused by those who aren't a fan of, who disagree with the biblical doctrine of justification as being sort of a, a legal fiction. So the idea, the accusation being that God just kind of comes in and he erases the guilty verdict and he puts a righteous verdict. In a sense, God is lying 
by declaring us righteous. So that would be sort of the accusation against justification. Uh, Christ's death as a propitiation is what keeps justification from being just that, from being a legal fiction, from being God simply lying to get us off the hook. Because uh, propitiation means that on the cross, our sin was placed on Jesus. Our guilty verdict was given to him. And when our sin and guilt were placed on Jesus, that's when the wrath of God was poured out. Which means that those sins have been paid for. And our guilty verdict has been nailed to the cross, given to Christ, and we have been given his righteousness. And if we're trusting in Christ, this means that it would be unjust now for God to punish us or treat us as sinners. Because our sins have already been paid for by Jesus. Right? Our guilty verdict was given to Jesus. His righteousness, his righteous verdict is given to us. So that not only is the, the punishment for our sin taken care of, but we are now righteous in God's sight. And one of the key pieces here is um, Paul's, uh, the word that Paul uses of faith, right? That this is a gift that is given to those who believe in Jesus. Uh, verse 22, that the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 25, that whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, and then again at the very end of verse six, 26, oh, just in the justifier the one who has faith in Jesus. Or that God calls us to put aside our own attempts to earn our salvation and instead to lean wholly on the work that Jesus has done. And we have to be careful um, with the way that we talk about faith because the whole point of um, this passage is that justification is a, work of, is a gift of God and it's the work of Jesus. And uh, as John Michael so beautifully pointed out, like we, it can be easy to put, make faith into a work itself. And any view of faith that puts um, the initiative back into our own hands is flawed because justification is all a gift. Right? God the Father initiates, God the Son carries it out. And faith just means acknowledging that fact and giving up on our own attempts to earn, to work for our justification. Faith, in other words, is a valley to fall into rather than a hill to climb. Um, recently, uh, we've had a couple of deaths of family members in our congregation, and it's just kind of—it's one of those times where I feel like I find myself thinking about um, just you know, like you do when you go to a funeral, you think about death more than you would just kind of in normal life. And one of the things that I keep com keeps coming back to mind is something that one of my professors in seminary said to us, and. That, our, that my job as a pastor, part of it is to prepare uh, my people, y'all, for death. So that if Jeff and I are doing our job, it means that when you get to the end of your life, you will know what it means, what it looks like to die well. Uh, and, I mean, a big piece of that, the big piece, really, of what it means to die well is to die in peace knowing that God has accepted you as righteous. And knowing that you have been declared righteous, not because of any work of your own or anything that you have done, but because of the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ. So that when you get to the other side, you'll know that God has 
will accept you as righteous in his sight because he sees the righteous life of Christ. So here's, in other words, the difference between real faith uh, and sort of the shams that we make of it is this, is what's going to give you peace on your deathbed? Is it knowing that you have done more good things than bad things? Is it knowing that you've checked the box of faith? Or is it going to be knowing that Jesus has done everything necessary for your justification? That he has done, um, he has accomplished salvation on your behalf. Because justification is not our work. It's the work of Jesus. And then Paul's last point in our text is that justification displays God's righteousness. Starting in the second half of verse 25 and then in the verse 26, Paul is describing how uh, Jesus' death solves a potential dilemma, which is how can God be forgiving and just? Because God's justice, his righteousness, demands that he punish sin. However, throughout the Old Testament, we see God forgiving sins. Right? So think of David and Bathsheba. That, you know, David sins against Bathsheba, has Uriah put to death. And rather than putting David to death, God forgives him. He passes over David's sin. We see God doing this throughout the Old Testament um, with the Old Testament saints. Rather than punishing sin as it deserves, he, he forgives it. He passes over it. So how, I mean, how would you feel if there were a judge in Jonesboro who was, just, who was letting people off? Right? probably be pretty peeved, upset, especially if that same judge gave you the full sentence of the law. Right? We want our judges to be just. We want them to hand out justice as the law demands. But on the other hand, we want God to be forgiving. Right? We want him to, to, to forgive our sins and to, right, to accept us um, as righteous. And so what we need is a way for God to be both just and forgiving. And that's where Jesus' death comes in. So Paul is saying that God was able to overlook the sins of people in the Old Testament because of the cross. So with David, for instance, God wasn't just brushing that sin under the rug. He was actually pushing it into the future. And with us, God takes our sins and he pushes them into the past so that on the cross, all of the sins of God's people are laid on Jesus and they're punished there. And this is what allows God to be, um, to be just and forgiving because the cross upholds God's righteousness because on it, sin is punished and the law's demands are met. But the cross also upholds God's mercy because it means that we don't have to uh, suffer the punishment for our sin. And that's what it means for God to be both just and the justifier. Uh, one of the beautiful things about this text is that the phrase, the righteousness of God, that Paul uses, actually has a couple of different meanings. So on one hand, it refers to the righteous life of Christ that is given to us. In that sense, it's the righteousness from God. But it also refers to God's righteousness in upholding the law. 
by punishing sin on the cross. Right? And so that's what it means for God to be just. He is just as the one who punishes sin. But, is he, but he is the justifier of sinners as the one who has placed our sin onto Jesus and declared us righteous. On the cross, God's mercy, his love, his holiness, his justice are all on display. It's the ultimate expression of God's goodness and his greatness. His, the, I mean, his full character comes out on the cross. His righteousness, his justice, his love, his mercy, his grace, all of it. I mean, the cross is, is beautiful because it means that our infinitely wise God has found a way to forgive sinners, you and me, without compromising his justice. And it, it means that there's, I mean, kind of in the face of that, there's nothing left to do but to fall on our knees and wonder, right? To, to think that God was willing to go that far to save his people, to save us. So we see in our text today that, um, I mean, justification is a gift. Justification is the work of Jesus Christ, and it displays God's righteousness. And all three of those facts have one thing in common. Um, They show us that righteousness always comes from God. That we bring sin, and God brings righteousness. Because it's interesting to note that every time the word righteousness appears in this text, it's associated with God. You see, the righteousness of God, twice. God's righteousness once, and then His righteousness, referring to God as well. Because righteousness is always something that God brings to the table. It's always His gift. It's always through the work of Jesus, and it always serves to display His righteousness and His glory. So let's pray to Him. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for, uh, for your wisdom and your majesty in sending Jesus in the cross and showing your love and your grace to us, even uh, you know, despite our sin, that you love us enough to, to wipe it away and accept us as righteous in your sight, to accept us as your children. So we, um, we thank you for that this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.